Hi, my name is Luigi Picarazzi. I'm the CEO of Digital Media Management, an LA-based digital agency and content studio. You're listening to Make It Matter, which is a podcast about what matters most to us at work. Today on the show, I'll be discussing work-life balance with author Bridget Schulte. Bridget is the author of the New York Times bestseller, Overwhelmed Work, Love, and Play When No One Has the Time. She's also the director of the Better Life Lab, which is a program specifically aimed at helping people find a better balance between work and life. Together, Bridget and I talk about the current corporate culture that hinders our ability to find balance. We also chat about the impact of social media in today's ever-connected culture and talk about the changes that need to be made to achieve a healthier outlook on life. With all that being said, here's my interview with Bridget Schulte. Enjoy. Hi, this is Bridget. Hi, Bridget. This is Luigi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, so first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Um, well, before, I, I guess, I guess, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about uh, how and why you got into this field? Oh, man, how much time you got? All right, I'll try to be brief, uh, because I know uh, people really want to know why are, why are things the way they are? And how can they be better? What can they do? And so I'm, I'm happy to talk in, in that vein. Uh, but I guess uh, what I would say is that I came to to this field very accidentally. I frankly was out of my mind, <laughs> stressed out. Um, you know, I was working full time. I, um, as a reporter, I was at the Washington Post. I had two little kids, uh, and I just felt like my hair was on fire. I just felt like. Mm-hmm. There was just no way I could get everything done that I was supposed to do at work. I was exhausted all the time. I felt like I could never be as good a, a mother as I should be, that I was never spending enough time with my kids. I just was feeling like soaked with guilt and inadequacy <laughs> all the time. I wasn't sleeping. You know, I sort of felt like every night was almost like this existential crisis. And everybody that I talked to was the same way. Mm-hmm. Everybody was feeling busy and overloaded and overwhelmed. and. Um, and nobody knew what to do about it. So I just thought, well, this is just the way that it has to be. This is sort of, you know, on the one hand, I've made this choice to be this working mother. And so, you know, uh, I have to kind of suffer the consequences was honestly what my thinking was, which I now see is so totally wrongheaded. But I blamed it all on myself. You know, and then I also just thought, well, with technology and these big jobs and you know, kind of knowledge work. This is just, everything's getting crazier and crazier and everybody's inboxes are always full and there's always too much to do. And this is just the way it is. And again, that is also really wrong, but it took me a long time to figure that out. And I was very, very lucky uh, because I think uh, I would probably still be feeling that way and, and maybe heading straight to an early grave. But uh, I ended up very accidentally um, kind of writing about this. I wrote a magazine piece for the Washington Post magazine, which then later became the, a, a journey and a, bo- a, a book that I wrote called Overwhelmed, Work, Love, and Play When No One Has the Time. 
And I honestly had the gift to step outside of my crazy, insane life and really dig into it, to look at the research, to interview the experts, um, uh, look at time diary research, look at trends over time, look at economics, uh, look at social expectations and cultural, cultural uh, norms. And through writing that book, uh, it, it's almost like uh, it was such a gift because I got to see that life is really crazy for most Americans and that it doesn't have to be this way, that there are a series of choices that we have made as a culture, as a country, as organizations that absolutely end up affecting individuals. And some of it is individual choice, but a lot of it is the environment that we are operating in. And we have created a virtually impossible environment for anyone to flourish in right now. I completely agree with you. And I feel like if you figured it out, you must be like Buddha right now, because I feel like what you just described in the beginning, when you described yourself, you described almost every single human being I know. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm so glad you took the time, like you made the decision to, to write that article and therefore then go into the, all of this research, because I've been feeling like, who's policing this? Who is like, mm -hmm. where are we, you know, setting our, our societal values so that we're not going crazy and, and letting all of this get so out of hand that we can't pull back on any of these habits. So I guess I'll start by saying like, it is, you know, when most people think of work-life balance, when I think about it, you know, I think of balance. So I think therefore, you know, it, there needs to be a quality on all sides. Right. So if if I work for eight hours, then I I guess I have to have life for eight hours. Obviously, we're spending some time sleeping so that that, you know, as restorative as it is on all fronts, it's not really living in, in, in a lot of people's eyes. So is is work life balance, you know, trying to find an equality on all sides? And is that why we're struggling with it? You know, it's a really good question. I, and unfortunately, the term work-life balance, I think, has, has really been demonized and misunderstood. And people like to say, oh, there's never balance, so it's a stupid idea. And you can never have it. It's a, it's a pipe dream. I think we need to be thinking really differently about it. Whether Whatever you call it, you know, whether it's work-life balance, work-life fit, work-life integration, work-life flow, work-life fluidity, whatever you want to call it. I think what we need to be thinking about and striving for is creating space in our lives for what the Harvard psychologist Eric Erickson said were the three great arenas of life that make for a good life. And that is meaningful work, time for love to connect with other people. And the third realm of the great arena of life was play, time for leisure, time for relaxing, time for joy, time for doing something not for advancement or, uh, you know, or achievement, but just for the sake of doing it because it's fun or you want to or doing nothing and that and feeling okay about that. So if you think about that's what the good life is, well, are you going to have that? Or are you going to have time for those three arenas every single day? Probably not. But over the course of a week, over the course of a month, over the course of a year or a lifetime, are you creating space for that? And it doesn't have to be, you know, e equilibrium or, you know, uh, you can get an awful lot out of 30 minutes of play a week, you know, and most people don't even make time for that. 
So I don't think we need to be thinking about, you know, measuring and time and it all has to be exact. But how does time feel? Because that's one of the most important things that I discovered in looking a lot at time and time management. You can't manage time. You can manage your expectations and priorities for what you do in time. And so uh, much more than what the activity is or what's on your calendar, it's how you feel about what you're doing. Do you feel like you are making time for the priorities? You know, so at the end of the day, you know, uh, you've had a really busy day at work. Well, what have you done that that really ties back to why you're doing what you're doing in the first place? Or have you just run around and gone to a lot of meetings and answered emails? It's going to feel really different, that experience of work. You know, have you really had time to sit down and have a conversation with one friend, you know, uh, gotten to know somebody better? Or did you, you know, say, hey, I'm too busy, I'll catch up with you later, you know, grab your cup of coffee to go and, you know, send them a quick email. You know, what what are you doing with your time and how does it feel? I think those are the questions to really be asking rather than, you know, trying to keep some kind of like accounting or balance uh, of, of where the time goes. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times you hear people say, oh, I work so much because I love it. Um, I, you know, I would really, really push back on that because, uh, yes, work is important, but we have really come to let work uh, shape our identity of who we are in, uh, in a way that I think we need to reclaim our soul. I agree. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I've, I've, you know, I've been meditating now for the last, uh, maybe seven years of my life and, and it's been such an, a, a good practice for me to reconnect to my soul and to prioritize my own self over my inbox. And, and so I completely connect with what you just said. You know, there's a lot of millennials in our workforce here. Um, and you know, what we do, we work on social media. So, you know, not only are, I think our millennials in general connected to their phones and to social, but here they're connected in a, in an even deeper way because they have to be on it for work. Um, how do you feel like social media is impacting, um, our, our quality of life? Well, you know, so this is a great question and there you, you have absolutists out there people will say, this is amazing. It's the best thing ever. You know, it's going to connect the world in this really exciting way. And then you have other people saying, oh, this is terrible. We're losing our ability to connect. We're losing our ability to pay attention to anything. And like anything, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Uh, I think it's fantastic. I love going on Instagram. I, you know, I I learn a lot from going on Twitter, but that's because I very carefully curate who I follow. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's usually people who have very interesting and enlightening things to say. Um, there's no doubt that the the ability to connect and to share information, that's fantastic. And it's not going away. Uh, you know, so I think what we need to figure out is, well, how do we not let it master us, not let it take over uh, our bandwidth and what we think about, not to put all of these, uh, you know, all of this information overload and other people's priorities or like to lose sight of what ours are. And so I think that there can be an awful lot of noise out there. And it really takes skill and practice, I think, to try to figure out how to filter that noise, how to tap into it when you're ready, when you are going to be able to get something out of it, uh, you know, when you can sort of make something real or some connection uh, out there. 
but then also recognize that that is only part of the way we connect with the world and mm-hmm. other people. Yeah, it's interesting. I I was um I was with some friends over the weekend and we talked about this subject and uh I was talking about a friend who had also kind of remarked that you know, he he really does feel like he's wasting his time just scrolling through social media. Like he kind of gets off, you know, he, he puts his phone away eventually feeling very empty and having, again, wasted a lot of time. And one of the friends I was with said, oh, well, the, did you know that there was a feature on your iPhone that allows you to set a, a daily limit for how long you are allowed to be on these platforms? Um, and I said, no, I had no idea. And so, you know, I tried it as soon as I got home. And of course that, you know, as soon as I hit my daily limit of an hour on social media, the phone says, Hey, you've, you've achieved your daily limit. And, you know, do you want to ignore this, this message and continue, or do you kind of want to, want to say it? But I was so happy and excited to have realized that feature that allows me to sort of be more intentional and keep myself in check a little bit more to go, Hey, you know, this is, this is the, this is what you, what you've set yourself, um, as a time limit for. And, and it allows you again, to be a little bit more intentional. Like I'm, I'm going to come here and if I'm not enjoying myself, I'm going to stop because I know I only have, Mm -hmm. you know, 25 minutes left in the day to do this. And, and so I'm, I'm want to make sure I'm enjoying myself, enjoying all of that time. So I was surprised to hear of this feature and, and, and again, I'm so glad I'm sharing it here because I felt like, wow, if I don't know this, then how many people do? Well, and you're, you're hitting on something that I think is really important and not, you know, not just around social media, but really about this larger question about work-life balance. What you're really hitting on is the power of the environment that we operate in. It's, uh, I've been doing a lot of work with behavioral science in the recent years. And we always tend to think, you know, like when I was talking about initially when I was feeling so overwhelmed, we think that it's our fault and that if we just did something different, if we just had more willpower, if we just woke up earlier, if we just did something, Mm. you know, that everything would be fine. And the thing about it is when you think about the way that we live and work right now, you know, we have work cultures that that really value uh, uh, people who work million hours and the mm-hmm. emails late at night, even though we say we don't, the research is really clear that that's who we tend to think is an ideal worker and they work all the time and they answer emails all the time. And they're, uh, you know, they're able to put work first, which is a really, um, uh, it's very difficult to have work-life balance or to have caregiving responsibilities, uh, you know, or to be basically anything other than a 1950s man, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in that kind of, in that kind of work environment. So it really, uh, you know, it really disadvantages an awful lot of people. But when you work in that kind of ideal worker environment, it's really hard then to get off of social media because that's the expectation. That's what the environment expects. And so one of the things that we're really working on is how do you create nudges within the environment? You know, so that that technology that you're talking about is a perfect example of that. That's a systemic change. It makes it easier then for you to make the choice you really want to make. Mm-hmm. Because if it's if it's up to us, we're in these environments that promote overwork, that promote always being on your social media. And so how can you be really thoughtful, not only about your own individual choices, but about create intentionally creating systems and structures within your organization and at work? Can you have email blackout days? Can you have meeting blackout days so that you can all focus on your concentrated work? Can you have core hours, you know, where everybody says, okay, we're going to be available these hours. And I don't want to hear from you in the evening. 
unless, you know, the building's burning down and then call my cell phone. So how can you come up with really thoughtful systems for your organization in a way that helps people make those better choices? Recognizing that, you know, if you're the leader, you're the boss and you're working all hours and you're sending emails at all hours, you've just set the bar for what success looks like. Right. And you may say, oh, hey, I believe in work-life balance and hey, we have lunchtime yoga and you can go to a meditation class and nobody's going to do it. Because the informal and much more powerful culture is what you're living. And so it's really, uh, it's something that everybody needs to be aware of. You know, become clear on what kind of environment you're operating in. See if you can change that environment. And then the best thing that you can do yourself individually is really just like what you said, take a pause and take care of yourself. Because when you are healthy, when you are well rested, when you meditate and take a pause or, 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 you know, have much more of a sense of what your priorities are, it's much more likely that you're going to be able to survive even if that system doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to switch gears for a second because one of the things you mentioned was, you know, finding meaningful work. You know, it's, it's actually the subject of this podcast, right? We, we, we have this huge sign here in our office that says, make it matter. And what that really meant to me was sending a message of like, Hey, you know, make, make the time that you have here matter, um, in many different ways. One, you know, yes, this is your job, but, but do make sure that it's, you're, you're finding something about it that, that fulfills you. And two, you know, our time on this planet matters and therefore stop, don't waste your time on tasks that are not getting us anywhere and that, and that are, you know, are ultimately not, not productive. Um, so I'm, I'm very much about trying to send a a message to my staff and, and to the rest of the world about finding meaningful work. How does one go about that? How do you, how do you, how do you try to get that accomplished in every individual? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I, I think, I mean, the, probably you're not going to want to hear this, but there's no easy answer, right? And I think what it what it requires is being aware and willing to adapt and change as the circumstances around you adapt and change. Because what your priority now is at work, it might, it might be affected by something externally. So that means that six months from now, you need to have sort of a regular process to check in with yourself. You know, as your own life changes, your priorities change. And so I think having the process where you've made uh, the fact that you think about what's the most important thing, where does that go in your calendar? You know, at the end of the day, what are you going to be really proud of if you have accomplished? You know, are you going to be really happy you've got inbox zero or are you going to be really excited that you've actually done something or moved something forward that you care about? And I think that's just awareness and an ongoing process that you take. Uh, you, you take that time yourself and you make sure that you communicate with your team. Um, you know, there's no matter what kind of job you have, there's always a, a certain amount of like garbage work. There just is, right. you know, and how, how do you, how do you kind of uh, make sure that the, that kind of stuff gets done? Because sometimes it's the stuff, it, you know, you actually need to connect it to like the, the actual work that you're doing, you know, the stuff that you may not like doing, does it really help you fulfill your mission? And then if it does, how can you do it in the most efficient way so that it does help your mission, but then you can really focus on what you really, you know, kind of the value and uh, that you bring and what you can learn and grow and feel really fulfilled by. So I think it's, it's a matter of being, uh, and, <laughs> you know, 
and recognizing you're just going to have stupid days sometimes. Mm-hmm. You just will. Things things will go wrong and emergencies will come up. Um, so I think it's being willing to be open to setting the setting those priorities. I think also kind of creating slack every week to recognize that humans are really terrible at estimating how long things are going to take. So we always tend to overpromise, mm. and then we get kind of stressed under deadlines. Um, so kind of create some space or room in your calendar to just, you know, to acknowledge that you're human, <laughs> that you're going to make mistakes, and that uh, that there will always be fires that that pop up. There will always be emergencies. So can you again take that step back, take that deep breath? pause, really set your priorities. And then when you when you look at how you spend your time in your calendar, make sure that there's air in there and that you, you haven't scheduled yourself like so tightly like a sardine that you're going to explode at the end of the week. But mm. what's going to really help you when you get to Friday and you're ready to unplug? You know, what's the most important like one to three things you need to do that week? Yeah, and then make sure that you've got the time for that so that when Friday comes, you're much more likely to say, oh, I've had a great week mm-hmm. and now it's time for a great weekend. That's some great advice. Any other tips, um, you know, they could be sort of workplace related or outside of the workplace for people? Well, I think, you know, one of the things that we work on here at the Better Life Lab is we, what we're trying to do is create a, a culture where people can really make uh, real choices about how they combine their work and life in order to thrive, you know, across the arc of your life. Uh, and what does that mean? Right now, uh, the way we combine our work and life, sometimes there are real penalties that come along with that. If you are, say, a man and you want to do caregiving, our, our, our society, our workplace cultures, our policy doesn't really support you doing right. that. Uh, if you, you know, if you have elderly parents that you need to take care of, or, you know, if you are a millennial and you just really want to make sure that you have time to take care of yourself and, you know, going to yoga class is a really important part of your, your life or that work-life balance is a real important part of your life. You have to understand that our culture, our policy does not support that. It's going to try to make you overwork. It's going to try to make you, um, I think one writer said it best. It was like, we try, uh, we reward people who work as if they don't have any children or caregiving responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And then yet we expect people to have caregiving responsibilities and parent or take care of others as if they didn't work. So I think we have to recognize that we've got some really impossible cultural expectations right now that have just ratcheted up um, because we haven't really addressed how, workplace work uh, you know our workforce has changed we've got so many more women in the workforce the majority of children in this country are being raised in families where all parents work either dual income or single income families you know we the way we live our lives is really sometimes at a complete disconnect with the way our workplaces are set up with the way our policy is written we literally have no policies that help people combine work and life, mm. uh, unlike other countries. We literally have a culture that values you to be so busy that you will never have time for leisure or play. We we tend to va- value people who brag about never taking vacation, when actually the research shows that if you never take a vacation, you have just <laughs> increased your risk of cardiovascular disease, uh, you know, and high blood pressure by you know orders of magnitude. So, you know, there's there's really good research that shows that even, you know, we tend to think of uh, a of, of workplace, you know, illness or danger as like you fall off a ladder or you, you know, you get black lung disease from a coal mine. 
But there's new research that shows just things like stress uh, from work-life conflict or having a toxic boss or working long hours or not feeling like you have control over your job, that those what they call psychosocial stressors have actually made work <laughs> like the fifth leading cause of death in America. Oh so God. we have to understand that these are bigger conversations that we need to have. We are the only advanced economy that does not have a paid family and medical leave program to support anybody, whether you're taking care of a child or an elderly parent, a relative, or yourself when you yourself are sick. You know, this is now the time that we need to have these conversations. We say that, you know, we're a nation of family values. Well, show me the money. Let's let's make that real. Um, and we're not, we're just beginning to have these kinds of conversations. So I think, you know, for, for young people, for millennials, for people who really want to, to have that kind of work-life balance, recognize that there are certain things that you can do. Taking care of yourself is really key. But put your oxygen mask on so that we can all work together for much larger change. Because uh, because that's what really what we need to make uh, to really make a difference in the lives of people in this country. So great. Um, you mentioned the Better Life Lab. Talk to me a little bit about that and and your role there. Sure. So I'm the director of the Better Life Lab at New America. New America is a nonpartisan think tank in Washington D.C. And the Better Life Lab is the work life, gender equity, and social policy program. Uh, where we're really looking at how do we create the condition, the roadmap for workplaces, the, for policy, for cultural attitudes, to really enable a gender equality, sort of an egalitarian future, the real opportunity for people across the gender spectrum to be able to combine their work and life in ways that are most meaningful to them, rather than feeling like you have to be policed into traditional gender roles and men work and women care, which is really the way it is now. Mm. So, so we work on data, we work on narrative storytelling, uh, we work on um, practical tools. Uh, we're developing a really cool tech tool, uh, like an app that, that could be very cool. Uh, and we do policy analysis. So one of the things that we're really trying to do is, is through our writing and through speaking and public engagements, really trying to move, uh, you know, open people's eyes and move cultural expectations that, uh, that what we really want is a much more human future, um, not, not quite so tied to some really outdated uh, gender expectations. That is so great. Is there, is there ways that people can get involved? Is it still sort of a, you know, uh, is it more of a closed organization? How how can people access it? Oh yeah, no, we're definitely part of. We're you know we're all about creating movement. So uh, there's a couple things you can do. We have a newsletter that comes out every Friday. Your life better. Um, you know, a couple things that you need to know uh, to make your life better at work and at home. Uh, so you can subscribe to our newsletter. Um, we've got a podcast, the Better Life Led podcast, that's out on uh, the co-production of Slate and New America. And it explores this uh, sort of how work shapes our lives through story and uh, research and what we can do to really create that more human egalitarian future. Um, you can follow us on our website where we do a lot of writing for uh, a number of places. Um, we've done big reports on childcare and uh, the duration of paid family leave and sexual harassment at work. And we're really focused on on not only understanding kind of kind of uh, getting clarity about where we are right now, but really focusing on big ideas and solutions. 
Well, thank you for the work you're doing with them. I feel like it's just so necessary. I think I think I'm glad there are watchdogs out there who are who are just looking out for humanity in the way that you guys are. Um, um, and thank you so much for taking the time today to chat with us. I, I, I know this information is going to be really valuable, not only to the people who work here, but to, you know, just the rest of whoever is listening, because again, I think everyone is going through the same thing and asking themselves, you know, about these questions and what they can do, because I think more so than ever, people just understand that they just want a better quality of life it doesn't matter how much money they're making it doesn't matter about you know what they have in the car that they drive they just want to be happy and so I, i i really really do think that at least you know there's there's an awakening happening and 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 it sounds like there's there's resources for the people who are asking themselves the question but i really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me and uh and and wish you the best Well, thank you so much. It was wonderful talking to you as well. Perfect. All right. Thanks, Bridget. Thank you so much. My big thanks to Bridget for joining me on today's episode. I hope that you've learned something that you can implement in your own lives to have and maintain a happier and healthier balance. You can find Bridget Schulte on Twitter at Bridget Schulte. And you can also purchase her book, Overwhelmed, Work, Love, and Play When No One Has the Time, wherever books are sold. For more great conversations like this one, and to learn about what matters most to us at work, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and whatever you do, make it matter.